Welcome to the UMass Hockey Hour on 91.1 WMUA. WMUA in Amherst, Massachusetts. It is me again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. My name is Noah Glickman alongside John Ruggiero, Chris Vogel, and Andrew Golden. Welcome, everybody, to the UMass Hockey Hour. So, first, I want to bring up, of course, the series against Vermont. Um, not what we expected to see. UMass having 3 nothing leads in both games and then blowing them, um, completely giving up three goals in the third period to make it tied, and both games went to a shootout in which UMass won both of them. But, John, let's start with you. What did we not see from this UMass team that we expected to see? Uh, we didn't see a full 60-minute effort on both games. Simply said, I mean, you know, this is not the first time the Minutemen have gone up 3-0 this season and completely blew the lead. Uh, Coach Carvel was not happy after the games. You know, he said, built a sizable lead, and Absolutely gave it away, simply said. So, I mean, it's just, it seems like when the Minutemen go up 3 nothing, they just kind of stop playing. And that's when they should just keep on the gas, you know, keep, win the game. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky to escape with the two points in the shootout win, but, you know, that's not what you want to see. Yeah, I thought, especially in that second game, they kind of lacked that situational awareness you needed. There was a play, Scott Morrow got really stuck in on the offensive end, got caught near the net and then immediately transitioned. Vermont comes down, scores. That made it 3-2 to two, and then shortly after, 3-3. Three, three. Just, you know, got to play with composure when you have that lead. Continue to attack, but especially if you're a defenseman, don't take any chances that are going to put you in jeopardy your defensive position come back the other way. It does seem as if UMass loses their composure, their, their talent, and their... Um, and their awareness as they go into the third period, especially with these size leads. Andrew, what else do you have to add? Well, I know I know how there's a saying that goes, the two-goal lead's the worst lead in hockey, but I think with the amount of scoring in the NHL, these people are starting to uh, upgrade that to a three-goal lead's the worst lead in hockey, and I think UMass is taking that to heart. Obviously, NCAA and the NHL are two very different leagues, but... I think uh, I, th- I think they you, you can you can tell that they just kind of sit back on three goal leads, and that that's that's got to be taught out of them somehow. Nonetheless, um, of course, with the games not going great for the whole team, we saw an amazing game from Ryan Ufko in the second game. Of course, he got the hat trick and the shootout winner. Um, so let's start off with uh, Andrew. What did you see different from Ryan that night? I mean, Ufko is just on a different level. I mean, we, we, we've seen we've seen how much he's grown throughout the year. You know, starting out as the number two guy behind Scott Morrow this season, but really, really cementing himself as as the guy uh, on on the blue line. You know, especially after uh, his trip to the World Juniors, and I think I think he just turned it on again on yeah uh, on Saturday, and uh, just was just making plays happen left and right basically just controlling the play whenever he was on the ice and obviously one of the one of the goals was kind of a fluke he it tipped off of like three or four uh vermont players but either way he deserved basically all three of them he deserved to be in the situation where he was in the in the shootout and yeah it was just he was just the man 
of course, as you said, Ryan Ufko um, started the season behind um, Scott Morrow in the lines. But of course, as the season progressed and now as you went to last night, he was on the same line as Scott Morrow, the same defensive pairing. Uh, Chris, what else do you have to say about Ryan Ufko? Yeah, I found there's an interesting note. I believe those were his first three even strength goals of the year. All of his previously come on the power play. Great to see him contributing there. But I even liked his defensive energy. I thought he was by far the best defenseman on the ice when his line, his shift was out there. Uh, he ca- he kept them in check, and he wasn't overcommitted to that offensive end despite having a great game there and that shootout goal to win it. What a move to finish. And that's just the icing on the cake, Chris. I mean, you know, that's the first hat trick for US, UMass defenseman since 2011. We're talking 12 years here. So, I mean, j- just a great night. Ofco... You know, the, obviously the first star of the game kept the Minutemen in the game when they, you know, weren't showing the full effort, especially in the third period, and then of course won the whole thing in the shootout. Also coming from that second game, a uh, little bit of a controversial decision from Greg Carville here. I think it, I believe it was about nine minutes, about nine ten minutes into the third period, pulling Luke Pavisic after. Um, after giving up, I believe was it the it was the second or third goal. It was the third goal. The third goal, yeah, yes. Two on about three shots. Giving up the third goal after about three shots, yeah. Pulling uh pulling Luke Pavisic there and bringing in Henry Graham. Um, Chris, we'll start with you. What do you, what do you have to say about the decision? Do you support it? I feel like at that point, so Pavicic had basically been cold. I he faced I don't know maybe ten shots. It felt like up to that point. Three goals is not that many in college hockey. Like you usually don't pull your starter after three goals. I thought it was a little bit rushed, and it kind of ended up coming up to come back to bite him. I think it was the second shot on net Graham allowed, which was the tying goal because UMass had just scored to go four three. Also, it was the third goal in in the period, though. It was the third goal that they had scored. They had the 3 nothing lead going into the third period, and then they just scored three goals within 10 minutes. So, again, I understand it was a little rushed. John, what do you have to say? I mean, that was the second Vermont goal within 12 seconds as well. So I think that really, you know, gave Carville the, okay, this guy, is, he's not going to play the rest of the game, you know? I mean, <clears throat> and then, of course, Ufko scored another 13 seconds later. <laughs> so that kind of energized Graham coming in. I think that kind of energized the team a little bit, but I mean I didn't fully support it when Pavisic first came out because, you know, there's not much time left in the third and you know, Graham hasn't played all game. He hasn't played since sometime in January. So, I mean, you know, what what do you think, Andrew? Well, I I talked about as it, as it was happening, I I talked about how um, uh, Coach Carvel seems to realize that the team uh, plays with more energy in front of Henry Graham, and I think that I, I think that we saw that in the fact that Ryan Ufko went for straight down and scored that fourth goal. But I think so I think that that seemed to be um, that seemed to be a, a, a pull where you know you're just looking to change up the energy. You know you're you're, you're looking to. Uh, give give the team and the kick a uh, kick in the rear, and especially I, I, and I think I don't think Luke had the best weekend, so I think I think he he'd really had a I think he had a, had a long leash this weekend anyway, and that those two goals in what you said thirteen seconds to tie it up I think that was I think that was it and I mean Graham gave up one but he made 
an amazing stop in overtime that you know kept kept the team alive heading into the shootout. So I think I think I don't know if enough credit is being given to Henry Graham for going in cold, and obviously he gave up a goal, but I think he was really strong the rest of the way and kind of saved the team a little bit there. Yeah, I was looking at Henry Graham at least on paper. Arguably, he's been the best goal UMass has had. Save percentage is almost identical, and then he's allowing about a quarter less goal against, and pretty decent sample size. Ten games, three of those being starts. I'm a little curious if they roll him out there at some point over these final six, get him one or two more starts, just in case Pavich's struggles in the hockey's tournament or something, you say, okay, we're going to go turn it over to the backup, see if he can energize us again. I think he's, he's going to play at least one game this weekend. I think, I, think the, I think that Luke and Henry are going are gonna to split the weekend. Yeah, and that would make sense because, as you said, um, you you know that Carvel uh, understands that the team plays with more energy when Graham is on the ice. Um, but let's talk about the the, the shootouts. Uh, obviously, shootouts have been a struggle uh, for UMass this season. Um, the first two wins from shootouts were this weekend. So, um, what do you what do you guys think UMass did differently uh, in this shootout? John, well, they sorry. scored they scored goals. <laughs> Yes, they was the first goals they had scored in the shootout this season. Yes, they they scored goals definitely. John, uh, he, any thoughts? You took my point, Andrew. <laughs> no, I mean had to get out in front of that, of course. But um, you know, Vermont obviously not the best team, the worst team in Hockey East. So I think that gave them a minute boost. Um, but you know, some beautiful goals. Uh, I think uh, Michael Cameron was in both the shootouts. He scored. I mean. He scored both his goals, and then uh, O'Hara got one in the first game, and then, of course, Ufko got the game winner in the second. So, I mean, you know, it just there were great moves, great goals. It wasn't like, oh, you know, the goalie just kind of let it in. I mean, they were great moves, and Carvel said after the game they've been practicing it, so maybe it's that extra practice that's been helping them. I mean, also great goaltending by both of them. Pavicic only allowing one, and then Graham uh, going two for two, saving the shots. Didn't even need the third round to win that one. I do think it's kind of just a fl- shootouts can also just be that kind of fluky thing where eventually you're going to end up winning one, and it really just came down. This was UMass's weekend to play well and sh- get some good looks and find a way to pull them both out. Where you could do those ten times, it's probably five five and shootouts just the way it goes. But it was pretty clear that you know something something wasn't really working. They were going with the same few guys every every uh, the, the first few shootouts that they were in. I think they were in. Uh, three shootouts before the break, and they obviously hadn't scored a single goal. Uh, and I think that Carvo was looking to switch it up, and who better to do it with than the hottest player on the team right now in Michael Cameron? I mean, we, we know him for speed, but uh, obviously the shootout isn't known for its speed. It's, a, it's, a, it's when you really slow down the game, but it gave him a chance to show off his moves too. It was a it was a it was a fresh look for the shootout, and I think that was the jolt it, that that they needed having having Michael Cameron going first. Maybe uh, maybe giving Kenny a little break. Maybe giving uh, Morrow a little break in, in the shootout. I think Morrow tries to do too much in the shootout anyway. But I think the fresh look was really what what helped UMass. I forget who it was. Whoever the winner in that first game, I, he all he did didn't really put any move on in the goal. He just was expecting there to be a move and pretty much an open net. One of the easiest shootout goals I've seen a player score. Just perfect effort on it. I believe that was O'Hara with the yeah, winner. Yeah, it, it was, was O'Hara. O'Hara. You were correct on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so 
obviously two amazing shootouts from UMass. Uh, much needed, but uh, we are going to take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, we will talk about the much-needed BC series, uh, the ever-so-important BC series for UMass. Looking to spread the word about your business? We'll make it our business to help you out. WMUA offers complete underwriting packages that'll send your message out to the entire Pioneer Valley and beyond. For more information, please visit our website at WMUA.org or email us at underwriting at WMUA.org. He has an overbite that makes him look like a cartoon character, a slightly crooked eye, and an uncommonly wrinkly neck. In the right light, he can look a little like a garden gnome, and he'll wear a bow tie just because. Sure, you might call him a little quirky, but that's exactly what makes him so perfect. Tuna is a three-year-old Chihuahua Dachshund mix with more than 700,000 followers on Instagram, and it all started because he was adopted. You can't buy a best friend like Tuna, but you can adopt one. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Shipping up to Boston, just as UMass will be doing uh, this Friday, as they will be playing the BC Eagles as, in a much-needed, uh, a huge series for UMass here. UMass tied at ninth in the Hockey East standings with 19 points. BC just ahead of them with 21 points. A huge series needed for UMass. And, uh, John, first, wh why is the series so important for UMass? Well, as you just said, they're only are two points within these two teams and you know uh bc did beat the minutemen earlier this season but this could, this is an evenly matched series in my opinion i mean both teams have similar records and obviously um bc just came off a huge win against bu for third place in the bean pot but i mean you know th this is a series where you want the minutemen to take at least one game and i think they can Andrew, uh, what what do you think uh, makes this series so important for UMass? Well, it's another six-point weekend, and especially uh, against the team that's right ahead of them in the hockey standings, I think it's a great opportunity to, to, jump, uh, to jump ahead of them, or, I mean, obviously, it could potentially be a killer. Um, Maine and New Hampshire are playing this weekend as well. Those are two teams that are also right, right near each other. Uh, New Hampshire is the team that UMass is actually tied with, so that's going to be another uh, uh, battle to look for because those those teams are all within striking distance of each other within this weekend. So uh, I think it's a good opportunity uh, to gain a few points and a few spots in the standings where obviously seating in the Hockey East tournament is going to be a huge thing because you don't want to have to deal with Boston University or even like Northeastern on on your uh, on your first game. Yeah, to build on that. So there's a lot of that competition for the next couple of weeks between the seven and the ten seeds. You said New Hampshire, Maine this week, BC, UMass. Maine's last two series will be BC next weekend, followed by the finisher against UMass. And this is kind of a crucial spot in your standings. That eight seeds, the last home play-in game. Mm. So two of these teams will be playing at home. In that round one, two on the road, you definitely want to have that home ice advantage, especially in a one-off game where it's winner-take-all. And the two points, that's that's one less than a game in hockey. It's a three-point game. 
So it's it's huge for both sides trying to either increase that lead, close it, or maybe even pass if you're UMass. And Chris, I'm going to send it back to you here, actually, because you have the BC knowledge, um, of course, the BC background. But um, what can we expect to see from this BC team? What does UMass need to do to pull off here? I think BC's got the first line of forwards that could give UMass defensemen some struggles. Of course, Cutter Gauthier is the one that everybody's going to look at. Fifth overall pick, the Philadelphia Flyers prospect. But I think Nestorenko and Kuntar, they can be just as effective scoring. 18 goals between the two of them. It, it's just a line that could give, or a group of players that just could give that UMass defense some fits, especially when they're coming off a week. They didn't play particularly well closing out games. And then I'd have to note, Cam Burke killed the Minutemen last time they played with two goals. That's his only two goals for BC this season. So maybe he's an X-Factor again, or maybe he doesn't score as he's done all season. It could go either way out of those. I think you make a good point about Nikita Nestorenko, and especially being on that top line with Cutter Gauthier, he has a really good chance to really be a, a thorn in UMass's side. And I remember last year especially, he, he was a Minuteman killer last year. Uh, in in the two games they played against each other uh, last season, so I think I think Nikita Nestorenko is a player to watch for BC, um, especially uh, since Cutter Gauthier is probably going to be drawing all the attention. You know, that's that's a guy that could sneak behind and uh, and get some open space because of that. Exactly what I was going to say. He is so effective because the defensive game plays all on Gautier that he gets forgotten about and you see him, oh, okay, who's this guy that's at the net four or five times a game with a great shot? And it's him. It's just because the defense kind of forgot about him a little bit. And, you know, he, he scored a beautiful goal in that Harvard game against the, in the Beanpot. So, I mean, you kind of talk about, yeah, this is the guy that will be able to sneak through the defenders maybe because all the, all the um, attention will be on Gautier. But, I mean... You know, it'll be up to the UMass defense to kind of weather the storm here a little bit and, uh, you know, not allow 40 shots on whoever's in net and uh, you just keep it a close game for the Minutemen. If I can, if I can also butt in with my uh, with my Lightning fandom here, I think Eamon Powell's another guy to watch. He's been really good for BC this season, obviously put potted the empty netter at Frozen Fenway, but I think uh, he's really their ex their X factor on defense. I think if he plays a strong defensive game, then he'll be a guy that that UMass really can't get past. I think I think it's key to uh, try and expose Eamon Powell a little bit here this weekend. Yeah, him and Marshall Warren are definitely their top two defensemen. Marshall Warren grew up as a figure skater, probably the fastest defenseman you're going to see in the Hockey East. Another guy that I think is just a bad matchup for UMass. As, as we were talking about, you know, it is a very important series for UMass. Uh, and John kind of spoke about this a little bit, but I wanted to hear uh, the two other perspectives. John, uh, Andrew, excuse me. I'll go to you first. Uh, what do you think is most important for UMass to win this game and to win these games here? I think if they get to a lead, obviously they've had troubles against BC with getting a lead in the first place. But uh, I think if they get a lead, they need to really uh, be sound defensively and not have not have the same kind of lapses that they had in the Vermont series. I know that's an easy answer, but I think it's a, a good answer because it's it's very clear that they didn't uh, protect their goalie in, enough to hold those leads and just kind of sat back on their leads and that let uh, that let Vermont come back both times and that they lost two key hockey East points because of that, which right now, if they had those two points, they'd currently be tied with BC. 
uh, but that's spilled milk right now. So we, you just gotta, you just gotta play like whistle to whistle, sixty minute game. I think UMass has the capability of doing that. We haven't really seen that a whole lot this year. I think the last time we've really seen that was the Providence game, and really in spots other other than that. So I think they just really need to pull together a full effort this uh, this this weekend. Yeah, so I think there's two keys for UMass here. This is first one's for both Friday and Saturday. Just get shots on target. Uh, Benson's Boston College goalkeeper has one of the worst save percentages in the country at just 901. But teams don't test him as much as they should, just not getting the shots on target. If UMass can find a way to get 30 to 40 shots on him, he probably will crack. It will give UMass the opportunity to get that lead that they need. And he's just someone that he, you can get him rattled and could put a couple on him quick. Second, this is for Friday. They, try, they need to come out with energy. I think BC is in a position where it could be a trap game for them coming off an emotional win over BU to snap a nine-game losing streak. UMass, you know, is going to be up for this game. I think if UMass can come out firing, you might be able to take a one- or two-goal lead uh, by the end of the first period and just have that emotional edge, have that energy edge going into it. And I think, sorry, sorry, but I, I like what you said, Chris, about, uh, about testing Benson because I think that's something they didn't really do in, at Frozen Fenway. I think that uh, BC defense really kept UMass to the outside, to the perimeter, not allowing any good shots or many shots in general. So I think that uh, finding a way to get into the the high-danger scoring areas uh, is going to be an an adjustment game-to-game. That uh, the that they could do from Frozen Fenway to this weekend, and I think that was a good point that you made about that. And I think what's also important um, that wasn't mentioned was to lay off the penalties. You know, they gotta be, they have to be an aggressive team. They have to be a, more of a physical team. As we've seen them, they've been a very physical team, but a little too physical because sometimes you know it, it gets you get costs for it. And, of course, they've been drawing a lot of penalties this weekend, and it's really affected their game. And I think it's really you know, brought back the motivation, brought back the, the, the excitement on the team. So I think that they got to find a way to put the pressure on. they got to find a way to get pucks in their own zone. they got to find a way to get shots on net. But, of course, they have to do that without the costs of penalties. John, do you have anything else to add? I mean... That's a very good point, but when they do take penalties, they have been very good, at least in the Vermont series. Um, I think they killed all of their penalties, if, if I'm not mistaken. So <laughs> that's some good practice for their PK, but you know, you, you want to be playing, if not up a man, five on five. So yeah, lay off the penalties. Uh, you know, Taylor McCarr leads the team with 35 minutes. So I mean, just, just stay disciplined, and I think Coach Carvel will be really preaching that to the boys and i think the penalties last weekend uh had more to do with stepping back and really uh kind of trying to sit on their lead i think a lot of the penalties they took were kind of lazy penalties and obviously that leads to the other team getting more and more chances and so it it was just kind of mistakes compounding onto each other and just uh, just kind of overall laziness and uh, not not being strong enough to finish finish out a game. So I think I think the 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 discipline will come with you know playing whistle to whistle 
And I, th- I think I really think those go hand in hand this weekend. Yeah, especially when it comes to these two penalty or power play units. They're two, the top two in the hockey East, unless I'm missing somebody checking this. UMass is third in the country. BC is 17th. And that number might be a little bit deceiving, too. They were on a really cold stretch to start this year. So I wouldn't be surprised if you excluded the, that. They would be right up in the top 10 as of late. So that's one where it's just... It almost feels like whoever's the more disciplined team might end up winning these solely because one or two mistakes, maybe a cross-check or a boarding, and a team might go two for two on the power play that night, and you lose the game 3-2, and that's the difference. Yeah, they really got to watch themselves this weekend, obviously, with two amazing um, two amazing power play units. But um, is there, uh, Chris, is there anything else you want to add about this BC team, maybe about the atmosphere at Conte uh, on Friday? Yeah, so the, it'll be interesting to see what it ha- what happens. They've not packed the place out as of late. Although BU, they did have a really great environment mm. and a sellout. UMass has a pretty decent alumni uh, turnout in, at those games because it's so centered in Boston. But it, it being a big series and the energy that came off of Beanpot win kind of energizes that uh, third place win. Let me clear that. That, but just beating BU in the beanpot kind of energizes the fan base, energizes the students a little bit there. So you probably will see a decent turnout. Uh, I think I, it's going to be interesting to me to see. I I, I um, will almost guarantee that Henry Graham starts at least uh, at least one game this weekend. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see which game he plays if he does. Um, you know, I, I wonder if they'll they'll put him up. Uh, in the home crowd, I think he might. Uh, they might uh, prefer him in front of a familiar environment. Kind of have, uh, kind of have Luke play in front of the hostile environment. But I think it's going to be interesting to see what Greg Carvel does with the goalies this weekend. I mean, honestly, I think Graham will start tomorrow night because you know Pavasic is coming off a bad weekend, and you know I think they want Graham out there to start the series. Of course, it's not at Mullins and. Um, but kind of like the UConn series, you know, uh, Graham started the first game and then Pavisic started the second. Obviously, UMass was home at the first game, and now they're not. But, yeah, I, th- I think we'll see Graham. Um, go ahead, Chris. Oh, sorry. I was, no, I was just going to ask you, you think if Graham plays well game one that they just roll with him for the home game, too, if they do that, take that approach? I think it's possible, but probably not. I, I mean... Like I think he played well, and I'll just go back to the UConn series. I think he played well there, but then they had Pavisic come out, and then Pavisic started a a great series um, or a great uh, couple of games for himself. So that that could be the difference for Luke Pavisic, maybe just getting think, the game off. I think to to answer your question, Chris, I don't think I don't think Pav and Graham are at ride the hot hand territory, especially since Graham started the season as the third string. I think we can't forget that. Graham started the season as the third string, so I think uh, I think that d- despite despite obviously taking over as the ba- as the as the second string, I think Coach Carvel is still kind of being uh, sparing with with his usage, and so I think that if if Graham does start game one, if he does play well game one, I don't think that'll be uh, incentive to have Carvel ride the hot hand uh, because. I don't, I still don't think they're the same caliber goalie. I think Grant or I think Pavisic is still still the better goalie. It's not it's not like a um a, a Lindbergh Matt Murray situation where it's like a 1A 1B and that interchanges weekend to weekend basically. 
So I think I think they uh, will still be a little sparing with with Graham's time uh, moving forward. But again, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked to see him start at least once this weekend. Um, and yeah, that's that's basically all. For the last two minutes here, um, I'll go around uh, asking each one of you, what's your prediction uh, for this series? Uh, John, we'll start with you. What is, uh, what's your prediction? I mean, the best-case scenario, at least, or the, the realest scenario, um, which is the best-case scenario, is both teams take a game to win. I mean, you know, it's a, like I said, it's an evenly matched series. Um, obviously, BC coming off a big win, and they also won Frozen Fenway. But I think BC will take the uh, season series 2-1, to one and they'll split this series. Yeah, whatever reason, no matter how UMass and BC are played, BC always plays them well. Like last year, UMass came with a chance to win the conference. BC struggled. BC took all six. And then all time, it's 71-17 and three in favor of BC. I'm going to go with the BC sweep. I think they do take the six points. I think that BU one kind of gets them back into the form they ha- had before that long losing streak, and they kind of turn around at the end of the season and it really starts in this weekend. It, it's, 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 I'm struggling not to agree with you just because of the fact that BC... Come to the dark side. Just because BC has thoroughly owned UMass in, in, their, in their history. Um, especially, and especially when UMass has been a, a better team than BC, decidedly, but BC still uh, ends up winning these games. But I think, I, I think that uh, UMass is really going to uh, start having this back-against-the-wall feeling and I think they're gonna they use they're gonna use that to at least sweep and I, I feel like they'll take the home game 